You are listening to 11 O'Clock Comics, Episode 7. Hello and welcome to 11 O'Clock Comics. I'm Vince B. I've been drinking a little bit. Oh, I'm Chris. I'm hot and tired. And David Price. And I'm Carlton Fisk. Oh, no. Mm. Yeah, baby. That, that's actually <laughs> Jason Wood. Yes, yes, it is. How are we all doing? Doing well, good, man. We missed mm-hmm. I was just going <laughs> to say, doing good, but we, we, we missed you on the forums this week. Yeah, I've been globe trotting well actually <laughs> local area trotting yeah saturday i went to mocha with my daughter cool it was very cool it was a lot of fun and uh sunday through tuesday we went to uh great wolf lodge this water park up in the poconos it was a really fun time and, nice yeah mocha was great it was really good my, my daughter all she could do once she heard that andy runton was going to be there it, it was like the Beatles were going to be there. Oh my God, he, <laughs> I, I have to go see the Owie guy. And, and she was actually like, like mooning over him when she finally saw him. Oh, he's so cute. And, and <laughs> no, really, it was like a comic book groupie. And uh, he was—he had his little spread out with his Owie books, and you know, ten bucks a pop. So she, she I bought her one, and he he drew a little Owie in there for him with the two little hummingbirds next to it. it, it <laughs> And she, it was like he gave her gold. It was unbelievable. Allie rocks, man. Allie's fun. Yeah, it is a lot of fun. I mean, I read the book, and I swear I got the diabetes from it. It was so sweet. <laughs> but, I've never read it, so. Yeah, it, it, it's very good, and he's a great cartoonist. He has a, a nice mm-hmm. line. But, you know, it's just a little too sweet for me. I appreciate it. But she loves it. Yeah, it's a kid's book. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and uh, you know, big props to, to Top Shelf for putting books like that out. You know, Smart. It's, it, top, top Shelf is, is a publisher that gets not nearly enough credit for the quality of books that they put out. It's, I, I, first of all, I, I love the guys that, that, that run Top Shelf. Um, not nicer people will you ever meet, but the quality of books that that company puts out, they, they're, they're great. I love Top Shelf. Very true. Very true. And, and another publisher that doesn't get enough respect is Dan Nadell's Picture Box, which segue is, a, is the lead into why I went to Moke in the first place, because, uh, Picture Box just published a massive hardcover slipcase Gary Panther collection. And Gary Panther was mm. there. I was in the presence of God on Saturday. Gary Panther's from <laughs> Chicago, isn't he? 
No, he lives in New York. Well, I don't know. Originally, I, I'm not... I you know, I had a, I had, okay, weird story, weird aside here, and I, I we take our dogs to doggy daycare like twice a week, right? And one of the guys that works at our at our dog daycare is is a comic book fan, but a very underground and indie comic book fan. And knows I do you know, around comics and whatnot. And so I'm dropping the dogs off the other day, and he's like, "Yeah, I was hanging out with Gary Panner the other day." I was like, "Really?" He's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, really cool guy." And I'm like, "I didn't know Gary Panner lived in in Chicago." He's like, "Oh yeah, I was hanging out with him." So wow. I think he may be like in Chicago now, which yeah. you know, like Chris Ware is here, and you know. Yeah. More reasons why Chicago is the greatest city in the universe. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're just an hour an hour behind everybody else. Right, yeah. But, but I, <laughs> why say the other, like, <laughs> half of the country? <laughs> Fucking East Coast snobs. But, <laughs> I was trying to play catch-up. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> but you know, I, I worship at the altar of, of Panther. I, I love the guy. I don't, st- I, I don't stalk him, so I don't know where he lives. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'll find out for you. The, I'll work on that. The book is incredible. It's just an amazing collection, all full color, 700 pages. So I didn't want to bring that with me because the th- very thought of dragging that to New York in my backpack through 98-degree weather, it was a bitch. It was so hot Saturday. <laughs> but uh, so I brought a little uh, his satiroplastic book. It's just a collection of sketches, and he autographed the, uh, the 9-11 page. He drew the towers in flames as it happened mm. so he he signed that for me and uh i you know i don't usually get tongue-tied because he's just an, another guy mm. but mm. not not to me you know so i'm just like 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 my teeth were falling out and i was sweating and he's just like it's okay <laughs> it's, it's it's okay but picture box they had an amazing amazing array of stuff just they're very underground very alternative it's not vertigo it's way 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 beyond that so hmm. it's an, their their books are an acquired taste but once you get that bug they're the best i, I think but uh that's neither here nor there another underappreciated publisher so so what was Mocha like, Vince? I mean, I've, I haven't been. Uh, I heard a little bit about it from a couple of people on the boards, but uh, it's a one-day thing, right? And no, I think it was two oh. days, right? It was okay. Saturday uh, and Sunday. Saturday and Sunday, yeah. It's it's very intimate. Um, the first floor is basically all dealers. It's in the Puck Building in, in, in New York City. First, the first floor is basically all dealers. They have another section toward the back where artists and small publishers, well, I shouldn't say small because they're all basically small, publishers will set up. Top Shelf was on the first floor. Andy Runton was there. Picture Box was on the first floor. This year, they had a second floor where it was uh, more... Uh, Indy Spinner Rack was on the second floor. Charlito was there. Mr. Oh, good yeah, Mr. Phil. Um, it's it's a the, the the only way I can describe it. It's an indie convention. There, you won't see your booth babes there, or you know your your wrestling stars or Lou Ferrigno. Um, it's it's all indie indie comics, it, and it's very tightly knit. A clo- it's a it's a close convention. There's no. Wide open spaces like at Chicago or, or mm-hmm. New York, where you can just ramble. I mean, you can see the whole thing in basically an hour, not mm-hmm. in, in depth, but you can get a pretty much a good overview of what's going on. And then the rest of the time, you get to know everybody and just uh, mingle. And Pant- Pants was there. I saw Mr. Pants, Brian Chrisman. Oh, uh, that was there, right? Pardon me. 
Well, Sal was there, right? Yeah, I, yeah, Sal was there. Um, Who? Sal Abinati. <laughs> oh, I and, thought uh, you meant my Sal. No. Daniel Corsetto, right? Didn't see yes. her, no. Yeah, she yeah. was there with the uh, Friends of Luba. Yeah. But it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's a great little show, and <laughs> if you love the alternative stuff, it's the place to be. Just... Speaking of top shelf, um, uh, Indie Spinarak, uh, their their second awesome anthology is going to be put out by Top Shelf, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's awesome. That's yeah, awesome. really good, that's, good news. Well, that's how they named it that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, a quick uh, uh, Gary Panner note for, for people out there who aren't familiar with his work, um, lead set designer for um, um, Two Weeks Playhouse. Yes. Creator, so, creator of Jimbo. Yeah. There you okay. go. Yeah, there you go. So that 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 will uh, I think probably ground people to to some of the stuff that he's done. Real, yes. real cool stuff. Very and, cool stuff. And the most in the most influential cartoonist next to Jack Kirby, in my opinion. Real? Wow. wow. Yes. Yes. It's tough talk. Even mm. even, even even more than Will Eisner. Mm. I can't buy into that for a second. But Gary, Gary Panner has done more to change the medium than anybody uh, other than Jack Kirby. Wow. Look into it. Look into it. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's hey. a, it, it, that kind of smacks of hyperbole, but no. um, <laughs> I, I don't. I don't smack of anything. <laughs> Vince. Hey, hey, but by the way, um, we haven't done the drink roll call yet. Uh, yeah, yeah I, that I look forward to this each really week started. now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're, we're just warming up here. So, all right, yeah. what, what what you got for us this week? Uh, I am drinking a uh, frosty harp. Okay. It's back to basics. That's cool. Hard. Yep. I can appreciate that. Yep. Nice the, Irish beer. The beer that controls the weather. Go ahead. I'm I'm more of a bass fan myself, but uh, mm -hmm. you know if you you know want to you know step down to the other Irish <laughs> Irish beer. So, Ouch. Uh, yeah. It's, well, yeah. you're Guinness you're a Guinness drinker, so you're just going light tonight with with Them's the hard fight right? Yeah. All right, well, Mr. Mr. Price. Uh, really the. Well, again, I'm, I'm double-fisted again. Uh, I need to. The uh, I'm not a big beer drinker, as I mentioned before, and we were talking before we hit record about uh, dark beers, and really I'm drinking the only beer that I've ever really liked, and it is a dark beer. Um, Negro Modelo from Mexico. Mm -hmm. uh, and I am following that up with a Hemingway Daiquiri. And wow. what is in a Hemingway daiquiri? Well, Hemingway daiquiri became my summer drink last year. It is rum. It's it, it should be apparently it should be light or clear or white rum, uh, lime juice, maraschino liqueur, hmm. and pineapple juice. And just shake, shake that up in, in a uh, in a shaker with ice. Pour it, and uh, you're good to go. Hmm. Very nice, M M Mr. B. What are you uh, sipping on this evening? I, Killian's Irish Red. There you go. Yeah. It's a, we, we talked about it before we uh, before we recorded. It's the uh, Coors Holiday Beer. You used to only be able to buy that during the holiday season. It, it's the drink for me because if I can twist the cap off, I'm there. You just you know <laughs> that's all it takes. Hey, well, I, I like David. I'm also uh, um, double fisting tonight. Uh, we'll start uh, my my beer tonight, uh, which I was finishing off from earlier, is from uh, the Great Lakes Brewery, and it is the Edmund Fitzgerald. It's a uh, 
that's a very nice porter. So I was uh, sipping on that. But uh, but my real drink for tonight, uh, staying with the bourbon theme, is a Basin Street, which is uh, two parts bourbon to one part triple sec and uh, lemon juice, shaked and uh, served uh, up in a martini glass. And it's a very nice summer drink if you've uh, ever had a sidecar. It's a, it's a little bit simpler version of that with bourbon instead of uh, instead of cognac. So uh, a Basin Street this week. So the bourbon doesn't make you sweat more. It doesn't make you hot, even in even in the summer. Oh no, because the uh, the citrus has a has a nice uh, nice cooling, okay. refreshing effect on it. So yes, uh, Basin Street, nice little bourbon summery drink. So. Wow, what does it mean that the most pretentious guy in the room is drinking the most basic drink? I, I does that say anything about me? What bur- bourbon? No, me. I'm the most pretentious oh. guy in the room. <laughs> I thought you were talking about me for a second. No, no. Uh, sure as hell no, no one's talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, which, we're going to talk about some comics here? Yeah, yeah. Let yeah, me just yeah. do a little slide from the Mocha mm-hmm. thing, because I dragged a book along with me to Mocha that is probably one of the most affecting graphic novels I've ever read. That's not hyperbole now, because if you read it, you will, you will completely understand why I'm saying that. It's Joshua Cotter's Skyscrapers of the Midwest from Ad House Books. Mm-hmm. 1995, hardcover. Beautiful book, um, amazingly designed. This thing, literally, after I read it, I was, it knocked the wind out of me. I was like in a daze f- for two days just thinking about all of the heartbreaking things that are in this book it's not a feel-good book by any means it in a nutshell it's about the lengths that we will go through to hold on to our childhood our youth our innocence that's what the whole book's about you mean like reading comics in it, it yeah that's part of it actually yeah. it, it, it's i'm assuming the the main character doesn't have a name, but I'm assuming that it's a personification of the author. It's Josh Cotter. Uh, Cotter. He he draws himself as this little anthropomorphic cat-like creature. Uh, the style is very very reminiscent of Robert Crumb. Mm-hmm. In in some spots, in others, he's got a. I could see a little bit of Gilbert Shelton in here. It's just it it's a very indie indie style, but. The basic, the gist of the book is it's his life with his brother. And he, he walks around with this little toy plastic robot. And, uh, basically, there's giant robots walking around the Midwest that are symbolic of this kid's use. Like, uh, he, he confronts this, this girl. He's forced to confront this girl that he kind of, he's kind of sweet on. One of his so-called friends, uh, tells the girl that he's hot for her and she gets all in his face and kicks him in the nuts and smashes his robot. And, and as, as she does that, this giant robot that's walking the countryside holding a lantern, shining a beacon, it, it just, crumbles it destroys it, it it crashes to the ground so it's like this kid's innocence is being shattered like at every step his his mother buys him a backpack but it's a robot backpack where the arms are the straps that go, it looks like the robots like hanging on his back that, those kind of things mm-hmm. and he's he's a chubby little 
you know, nerdish kind of kid. And he tells his mother, you know, I thanks for buying me this backpack, but I get picked on enough as it is. So <laughs> the backpack hears the kid saying this, walks out into the backyard, fills itself with rocks, and drowns itself in a pool. Oh, jeez. It, it, it's the book. I'm telling you, the book is heartbreaking. And then later on, that he's getting baptized, the main character, and as the priest has his head in in the baptismal, the robot is emerges from the depths of the thing, and it has this these long uh, striped arms, and it's wrapping itself around them. The kid's freaking out. You gotta read this book. It is just amazing. You, you'll never forget it. Never. It's from like I said, Ad House Books. You get some supplemental material in the back. Uh, color reproductions of the covers and since the kids in in grade school there's a section where cotter does this kind of mock yearbook where he'll take certain characters from the book and the the girl that he's sweet on they profile her and there's a mock autograph page like you have in yearbooks while your friends would autograph it and i thought wouldn't it be a cool idea if i got josh to autograph it on the autograph page you know and he he's like oh that's a good idea and he signed it in character he says hey vince finally made it man senior year seriously you're a great guy and i know you're gonna go far now let's party hard and kick some ass bff jw cotter oh, he even gave you a bff yeah that's how, awesome how cool is that i'm telling you the 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 name of the robot I can never remember it, but there's a pseudo Marvel comic in the back, so maybe David will read it. Uh, it's... <laughs> oh, snap. No, you said pseudo, so probably not. The, the, uh, the, the robot's called Nova Stealth, and they do it. He, the, Josh does it in a mock Marvel style, and the, uh, the robot encounters these super-powered women, and it mirrors what's going on in the kid's life. Like, the the woman in the comic tells the robot she doesn't want anything to do with him and you're a pig and blah 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 and that's what happens in in reality to the kid it's just amazing amazing mm -hmm. big 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 props to uh josh cotter the his brother uh clings to this stuffed dinosaur and at one point in the book these bullies are hanging the dinosaur out of a bus window and as you may expect they drop the dinosaur and the kid is just shattered he does this real neat panel progression where uh he'll show the the brother looking out the back of the bus and he renders everything around the 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 kid like the bus seats in the window and then in the next panel they kind of fade it out and there's a third panel where the kid is just standing there and everything around him is black oh man oh it's amazing amazing book and the, i mean the brother eventually gets the the dinosaur back because that's his link to childhood and he wasn't ready to mature so he gets it back but what happens to josh is is far more uh uh affecting but it all comes i mean the end is not so down downbeat as the the majority of the book it's a, it's a fairly upbeat ending but get it you will not be sorry it's a great great book they, cool they just put out a new trade of it right vince it's it's brand yes. This is the first collected edition. is 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 a hardcover. Do not wait for the trade. It, okay, it's a hardcover, it, right? Yeah. If it eventually comes, don't. The, is this, this is, Chris Chris Pitzer's company? Is that who? You you betcha. Yeah, because they do a Johnny Hero too, right? Yeah, yeah. That's oh, a great book, John. And there's another. See, I can't stop talking about it. the the water tower in the in the town is filled with cancer, and and the cancer is these little squid like things 
that attach themselves to people. So he's, he, he's in his grandmother's kitchen with his brother, and they're making pies or something. And he goes, Grandma, you have something on your, on your back. And it's this cancer thing mm. sucking out you know, her lifeblood from her back, and she brushes it off. And there's another woman in the book that it's not so lucky. But you know, cancer in a water tower, this is creepy shit. But <laughs> it, it, as you would expect, it's, it's, heavily, it's heavy on the symbolism. So right, right. It, it's a really, really good book. I love it, and I love Josh Cotter because he's my BFF. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. That that's my first thing I wanted to talk about. Nice. Let's move on. I can't talk that. But I, 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 I read X Men. I was just going to say I read the last four issues <laughs> of Teen Titans, but I feel silly talking about that. Oh my god! <laughs> nah, you can top that. Just do it. Uh, I think we're. Are are we all reading Seven Soldiers of Victory again? Yes, or for the uh, first, I just read. Yeah, I yeah, just read it for the first time for me. Yeah, I read it for the first time. All four trades in the last week. I mean, I just finished the first trade a couple nights ago, mm. and yeah, it's fun, very cool. Uh, I'm enjoying it a lot, and and we'll see we'll see what gets tied into Final Crisis and whatnot. But uh, yeah, it's the first time I've been able to sit down with that trade and and kind of kind of get into it and understand what Morrison was doing with these. Uh, what it was four different or no, how many? Well, seven miniseries, right? Yeah. Seven, um, seven four issue miniseries, and then a, yeah. a front back end issues, thirty issues in total. Yeah, so you know, kind of understanding. Just, I, I don't don't know if I want to call it brilliance, but it, it, oh, it's brilliance. It, well, it's so far it's very cool that he has these seven mini series that operate independently. But if you read them in the release date that they all do, apparently interconnect, and you see that in the first yes. trade. So um, that what blew me away besides Morrison's writing on it was the lineup of artists so far it is it is such a great group of artists in between what jh williams and uh, some of the some of the cooler stuff that i've seen cameron stewart do um fraser irving um oh uh, yeah simone bianchi uh fraser irving showing that he nobody draws like freaky scary ass pilgrims like fraser irving <laughs> you know, what what is it with that guy and the fucked up pilgrims yeah yeah. Well, I think uh, I mean, that's the thing. Mm-hmm. I think that you're right. The the art is reading that. In oh, its Ryan Suck. Form. Ryan Suck cannot forget yep. Ryan Suck. I think you're, the, you're forgetting the the what I. I haven't is, got I haven't gotten to Mankey yet. Oh, I, it's, you, it's it's the first yeah. trade, so it, we ha- we're not onto Frankenstein yet. Ugh, for me, best. kicked ass. Oh, man, the, you know, anyone? Okay, now, now I'm going to say something. I was going to say something really. Um, Doug Mankey is awesome. And yeah. there were some, I think there were some comments on the forum about, or a forum about someone that that really didn't appreciate Doug Mankey's art. Um, I I'm a big Mankey fan, that, and I'll and I'll leave it on that very nice comment. So, yeah, he's he's just the the biggest compliment I can ever pay to Doug Mankey is he draws like he he captures the feeling of the Filipino artists from the seventies. Yeah. He does, and 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 the fact that Tells he that they great put him storyteller. On, oh yeah, great, and, great storyteller. And and the fact that they put him on a horror, basically a horror title, was a stroke of of genius because he is so like he was great on the on the Black Adam thing. It, he, the guy draws 
excellent superheroes, but you stick them in a creepy kind of horror situation. Oh, the guy excels. He's just Dude, amazing. Did, did any of you guys read Team Zero? Yes. No, I didn't. It, no. Maybe maybe my favorite World War Two comic that that that's been made. It's you know Is if you were Dixon? to yeah yeah which I want to talk Apropos. about. I, yeah, I want to I want to talk about him a little bit later, but uh, yeah, Dixon and Doug Mankey, awesome World War II story. I mean, really, really good. Well, how about the first batch of issues of Stormwatch PhD? Just oh yeah, yep. Um, yep, very true. Was that was that Gage writing that? Yeah, yes. those, yep. those Christos, right? Yeah, yep. yeah, good stuff. You know, I, I felt so bad for um for Stormwatch and for Welcome to Tranquility, which were two really good series that came out of out of uh, the Wildstorm, the relaunch, and it seems like when uh, when Wildcats and have we ever gotten the third issue of uh, Authority? Did we get the second? <laughs> Did we get the second of Wildcats? Yeah, you know, so. Oh, that's right. Yeah, right. You're right, David. We did get the second authority, but we only got the first Wildcats. You're yeah. Right. And, and and because those and I st- you know, they've they've still never explained that, which kind of pisses me off a little bit. But because of the failure of the relaunch of the main mainline Wildstorm comics, I think a lot of people took out those frustrations on books like Stormwatch and Tranquility, which were really good books. And I don't think that they got a fair shake from from a lot of folks that that you didn't trust the Wildstorm name because of Wildcats and and um, um, Authority. I tell you. Midnighter started off strong too. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. but uh, unfortunately, the regular schedule of Wetworks did not help the book at all. Did any of you read that? No. Oh good no, I didn't. lord! It, it was it was pathetic, and and I don't like to to uh, slam any uh, artistic work, but I just could not get through it. Mm-hmm. And it was Mike Carey, right? Yeah, and I usually like Carey. Carrie's great. He, he's he's a really sharp writer. It was just oh good god. Yeah, I couldn't make heads or tails of what was going on. Hmm. Yeah, it's a shame. It's a The uh, the first time, and I've I've mentioned this. The first time I came across Mankey's work was when he was doing work for Dark Horse and uh, and the Mask. And even then, I mean his he, his style. He may have changed a little bit over the like he was doing. In in Stormwatch and even before Stormwatch, he was doing this um, scratchy kind of Simon Bisley esque and even like dirty Lanil U type style. I mean, it was it was his style before Lanil was doing it, and 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 Simon had uh, had it wrapped up before then. But when uh, like you just said, Vince, the the Black Adam, which is partially inked by Christian Alame, and who also did the uh, the Libra section in DC Universe Zero that that team drew that that is some beautiful just like you is is looks great when inked by Morales on Secret Invasion I think Mankey when he's inked by someone that's able to kind of clean it up his work is great on its own but when someone can clean it up a little bit it's it just soars and I can't I can't wait to get my hands on the seven soldiers just to get to the Frankenstein story yeah you're, <laughs> you're gonna love it there's a uh, one issue that takes place on Mars you, it, it's one of those things that drills a hole into your brain and and just uh, really it plants <laughs> yeah. this seed and you'll never forget it. it 
it's so funny because um, the art styles in those seven books are so distinctive to a book, and having read it all in one fell swoop, it's so hard for me to imagine anyone doing those books other than the artist that did them. Yeah. And I mean, I, I mean, I know you haven't, you know, Chris, uh, you have to read the other three before you'll, I guess, mm-hmm. pass final decision. But I, I genuinely, and I'm not one to heap, you know, I'm, I'm, I've, I've had great experiences with Morrison and some not so great ones, but I, I genuinely think this was a masterpiece. And the fact that it, kind of flew under the radar i think for a lot of mainstream dc and marvel readers is is a real real shame so hopefully um yeah. as as i guess with us this final crisis uh event will hopefully get some people to revisit and i wouldn't be at all surprised if when all is said and done seven soldiers is a much more accomplished work from start to finish than final crisis ends up being not to say mm-hmm. i'm not enjoying final crisis but I, you, I you're, you're talking you're talking about 30 issues seven different miniseries on you know, admittedly and and I think very consciously C and D list characters. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not surprised at all that that it doesn't have the you know kind of the commercial um, success that you know a lot of other things do. But sure. I, I think that's you know not necessarily a bad thing, and and I think that. Um, that probably allowed Morrison to do some things that he wouldn't have been able to do if it was like you know, well, the the original members of the JLA, you know, right, for, right. and that's uh, you know sometimes it's uh, it's good to be able to uh, to have a little leeway to explore some characters in ways they've never been explored before. Right, and don't forget he he takes some of the ancillary characters he introduces in his JLA run and really brings them to the forefront. Um, as as villains in in Seven Soldiers, uh, so see. Don't forget though, Seven Soldiers basically it was a vanity project for Morrison. When 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 somebody of Morrison's caliber approaches a publisher and says, "I want to do this," they're not going to say no. Mark Wade, what? Huh? Well, Mark Wade, <laughs> Mark Wade is not of Morrison's caliber. Mm. Oh, I don't know about that. In DC's eyes, you don't. Think I, so? I, I I tell you what, uh, Mark Wade may be one of the most underrated writers in comics. I'll go with that. Yep. Well, I, I'm not I saying he's bad. Of course, DC I, I like Wade and Morrison are on pretty equal footing, but you got you guys know uh, how much of a fan of of Ruckus I am, and one of the one of the comments that he made after Fifty Two was uh, with all those guys working together that. He had uh, an amazing amount of respect for what Mark Wade can do with a comic. It's um, and for me, whenever a guy like Rucka says, "Hey, this guy really opened my eyes to to how the craft is is done," so don't underestimate Mark Wade no, as a writer. I'm I'm not underestimating him, but. As far as I'm concerned, the subtext and symbolism and all this stuff that Morrison buries in his work is not present in the more in the Wade stuff. He, Wade can, I can write see that. Right, Wade can. I would write, agree with that. Sure, yeah. uh, he he can write a damn good superhero book, and I I love the guy. I think the guy's great, but he doesn't invest. He he'll he'll do what he has to do to tell a great story. Which mm-hmm. is perfectly fine. That's that's great. Morrison goes a little, well, a lot farther, and he buries these little nuggets, like in Seven Soldiers. Oh, I completely agree with you there, Vince. I, right. And, and I Which, think sometimes to the detriment of Morrison's work. I, I think that that sometimes he's a little too clever 
and, and that's whenever Morrison fails. It's when it's when he does that and and he balances the storytelling with the with the you know the meta that that he gets into and the high concept that it's great. But I think sometimes that's to the detriment of his work. Well, JLA was Morrison playing by the rules. Mm-hmm. He, he didn't get too too wacky on that. But the the Vanity Project that was Seven Soldiers. This is where. Um, did I say Wade? I meant Morrison. Uh, the Vanity Project that was Seven Soldiers is Morrison getting his cake and eating it too because who thought that that knockoff Mr. Miracle series, I mean, as Seven Soldiers was going on, I, I almost dreaded to read Mr. Miracle because, number one, it wasn't scot-free. Mm-hmm. And those aren't my new gods. And <laughs> I, I thought, well, this is just a flash in the pan. This is never going to mount to anything more than these four issues. And lo and behold, it's very important to what's going on now in Final Crisis. So he had the opportunity to tell his story. And he's also infiltrating the DC Universe proper with this this vanity project that no one thought mm-hmm. would amount. You know, so he, the guy is he's smarter than hell. I mean, I would not want to cross him. <laughs> I, I wouldn't. He'd, he'd, he'd put a whammy on me or something. Fellow Scotsman, side. Yeah, he's awesome. But you, you know what I mean. Yeah. Did you? But 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 do you know what? But do you know what I'm saying? Maybe agree a little bit that that sometimes he tries to be a little too wacky, a little too out there, and misses the mark because of that. I'm 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 not I'm not discounting the guy's brilliance. I'm not discounting right. his his ability to to write high concept comics. And I tell you what, good entertaining superhero comics batman has been really fun and i think that i think that is morrison following you know quote unquote the rules but i think sometimes he can kind of get in his own way right but see those words are lost on me because morrison is the perfect comic book writer for me so yeah but, but you're, all, all you're the, all crazy, Vince. Right, all the subtext and all that stuff, and and the magic and and the mm-hmm. the, the 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 paranormal stuff. That is my groove. So Alan Moore or Morrison. That's right. Alan is, Moore or Morrison. I'm asking uh, you. Oh man, don't no. <laughs> uh, um, Morrison. Really? I'd rather hang out with Morrison, but I got to give Alan Moore the nod, yeah. at least to date on on his career. I don't think Alan Moore's that great a person, a human being, but I think he's a hell of a. Oh, I think he. Is. You know what? I think he is too. I, I think Alan Moore's probably a pretty, a pretty cool dude, and and, and Morrison I too. Uh, I would rather party with Morrison, but definitely. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Moore could teach you some pretty good tricks. I, th- I mean, I think Morrison will get you some good acid, but <laughs> I, th- uh... I, I think whoever you party with, you're going to end up in an altered state. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> have have any of you seen the disinformation um DVD? They they had this uh convention and Morrison was one of the speakers there and he came to the podium and he was shit-faced, drunk off his ass and he he's expl- he specifically said in a couple minutes the drugs are going to kick in, so excuse anything I may say. <laughs> and he he basically said I I think it was Sri Lanka or something. He said I went to Sri Lanka to get abducted by aliens, and I was abducted by aliens. So Morrison is out there, mm-hmm. and he's, he's from Venus, dude. But that's 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 <laughs> I'm the target. He's there's a laser beam right from Grant Morrison to me. That's exactly the stuff I want to read. But the, so when you say Mark Ra- Mark Wade is a, a great comic book writer, mm-hmm. and he is. Mm-hmm. 
I could take that. That's my meat and potatoes. But when I want something more substantial, I'm going to go to Grant Morrison. Yeah, I think it's all fair. I mean, uh, you know, we've talked a lot on the last few episodes about Batman, rest in peace, and how we're all digging it. But, um, you know, I've heard a few other, you know, guys on some other casts talk about how, you know, they're kind of mortified at the prospect of, you know, what he's suggesting about, you know, Martha. Oh, give me a fucking break. No, no, listen. Do they think any of that's actually going to stick? Well, no, I mean, no, no. Seriously. The, the the criticism I've heard is let's hope that it's it doesn't stick because it would be you know are you be, fucking kidding me? Uh, so they the they, re- they really they really think that that Morrison <laughs> is rewriting what is it is it what seventy how many what nineteen forty sixty seventy you know years, yeah. years of 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 comic book history are they that fucking naive? Well, no, no, no. You're missing the point. People are hoping he's not, but you know, again, I, duh, I, I, you're I, an angry drunk. That's what you are. Yeah. No, I no, no. I mean, this is something you know, seriously. See, I mean, do they, do they honestly? Finish, for, for okay, yeah. sorry. Go ahead. Wes. Yeah. <laughs> A few podcasts have suggested that they're uncomfortable with the direction he's taking, and I was going to say that I think number one, you're right. I think that at the end of the day, there are certain characters like Batman that DC's not going to let. Look, as as funny as I may think it is that Martha that. That, that Martha Wayne was doing blow off of another woman's ass uh, as part of a, a rave in the, in the 60s as part of a, some socialite club. I, I doubt seriously that they would let that be canon, just as I'm sure they wouldn't let Alfred be you know, his, his bastard father. I'm sure they won't let those things actually happen. But you know, it kind of got me thinking about you know, just, again, how, how we get – and I'm, guilty, I'm as guilty of this as anyone because I've been reading comics a long time how, – how we get so hung up on and emotionally invested in these characters that are essentially works of fiction. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, I, I could, you know, honestly, I'm reading Batman Rest in Peace, the first Batman I've ever read uh, in terms of, you know, monthlies. If if this all turns out to be true and, and, and he really does, you know, tear asunder 80 years of Batman history, I, I'll be wildly entertained. I also understand that it would probably, you know, rile up hundreds of thousands of DC readers. It's not, not, it's not going to happen, dude. Yeah, oh, yeah, so maybe not. But by the same token, and this is where I say Morrison is very divisive, one of my first exposures to Morrison was when he wrote New X-Men. Now, I would say most people, or at least a good chunk of people I've talked to, think that his New X-Men run was one of the better X-Men runs in a long, long time. I personally, at the time he wrote it, hated it because in my mind it was so not my X-Men. So, but yet everything he does on DC, maybe because I have I don't have 30 years of you know tied up in DC continuity, I love it all. I think it's yeah, all great. Yeah, and New X-Men, Marvel can't dig they can't dig a, a deep enough hole to put his run on, on New X-Men in. Because yeah, it, it, it made sense. Yeah, you know, well, you know, on, on the, on the, yeah, on the, on the, on the Batman thing or any iconic characters, and I've quoted this a, a few times. I talked to Matt Fraction on on AC probably a year or two ago or whenever, and and he explained this in the best way of when when writers are working on iconic characters, their job is to is to break those characters apart and as artfully as possible put them back together for the next person to take over. And Morrison is 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 absolutely shattering the Batman character and by the end of his run on Rest in Peace or or whatever plan they have, they will have built back that character into the same iconic character. It's going to be Bruce Wayne who's obsessed about crime because his parents were killed in front of him whenever he was a, a, 
a kid leaving the theater, blah, blah, blah. And, and everything that has been canon will remain canon. But it's going to be a fun ride. But don't mm-hmm. expect them to change the core of the character. That's never, ever, ever going to happen. Hey, Vince, David, Jason, and I just want to give you guys a call and let y'all know how much I'm really enjoying the show. I appreciate all the hard work y'all are putting into it and releasing it weekly. Um, I also want to give y'all my review of issue number two. Uh, were never a group I was familiar with. I've always been kind of a Marvel guy, and it's just a book I never picked up until now. Um, got the first issue through DCBS. You know, it was only like 75 cents, so I thought I'd give it a try. Um, so far I'm really, really digging this book. Uh, the art in the first issue is just absolutely beautiful. Um, the story's been going along pretty good. I'm kind of, I like the way all the characters were introduced in the first issue. Um, the issue was great as well. I'm hoping to see back on the book, but I didn't think art was too shabby either. Uh, all in all, a really great book. Thoroughly enjoy it. If you haven't checked it out, I really highly recommend it. But uh, thanks again for your time, guys, and look forward to hearing <laughs> you guys. Take care. And there's another thing. You know, Martha and Thomas Wade, are they that Wade, Wayne, are they that crucial to the, to the mythos that you can't tamper with the characters? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're 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 absolutely integral to the Batman mythos. But here's what I don't get, though. The only fact, the only thing that they were good for is dying. Yeah, here's what I don't get, Chris. Though, I mean, in all honesty, let's 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 take you. I mean, I think you're probably right. At the end of the day, we're going to find out that this is just people are messing with Bruce, and that you know his his mom was not some socialite. Drug, you know, drug doing whore, but she, she but wasn't no, no, but, snorting but cocaine off strippers' asses. He, right. Here's why. Here's That's why what, I'm convinced on this one. How I mean, you know, as as you get older and you you learn a lot about people and humanity, I think you know you come to that realization that you know every person is not black and white. There are a lot of intricacies to people. There are a lot of mm-hmm. things you know about a person and a lot of things you don't know about a person. You know, on any level, um, it would not at all surprise me just to to find out that someone like Martha Wayne, who was a wealthy socialite woman, could have been a great mom could have been charitable, could have been an upstanding member of the Gotham Society, and also could have been doing coke off of a chick's ass and be a lesbian. I, I don't think those things are mutually exclusive in the real world. So Did while I understand why, you know, the mainstream reader would be mortified at that thought because, you know, we're talking about somebody from the 30s, I, I really don't think it would bastardize the notion that she could have been a good mom and Bruce could have remembered her in that way. So I, right. I don't think they're mutually exclusive. Right. It's like no one wants to picture their parents having sex, but let me give you a little clue. It happened, you know, and she probably put it in the other hole when they weren't making babies. So, uh, hey, <laughs> Jesus, what do you think, David? Dude, I don't think anything right now. I, I haven't started reading the uh, R.I.P. storyline. and I, If Morrison wants to fuck around with the Batman mythos, then by all means, you yeah. know, it's it's going to be put back. Like Chris said, you know, they, they fuck mm-hmm. around with the toys. They put it back in time for for the next guy to to, to have his turn with. And I think it, it's been said on a um, on more than one or two interviews on Around Comics where you know they give the, the company gives you the keys to the car just. Don't crash it at the end of the night when you put sure. it back into the garage and right. paraphrasing. But I mean, that's basically it. And it's these are 
these are characters. I, I was actually I was talking to Renee about this earlier because of another conversation that came up about comics and these characters have been around before we were alive. They're going to be around after we're alive. And they just, they, they, a creator is going to have to do something to either rejuvenate it for his or her run or for this generation or for these current readers. And then the next person will come along and either tweak it and build on that or disregard it Mm -hmm. or, you know, so it's, I don't, you know, if Morrison wants to, I, I don't. I it, it's just another facet of of the character. I think mm-hmm. it's very difficult to change the core of an iconic character. I mean, it just just kind of think back over the last I don't know ten fifteen years, and you think of iconic characters. How much have they changed? And that's a lot. It's a lot of issues. Well, I have a question for those of you who read Marvel. So Vince, you might want to turn your mic off for a few minutes. Uh, <laughs> I assume both you both of you guys are uh, are reading uh, Young X Men. Yes, well, no. I am. Chris, are you? I haven't read an X title. Okay. Besides uh, so one for here or there since the nineties. Yeah. You know, uh, David, uh, w- could you help me understand what's what's going on with with Young X Men specifically? Because bef- just about ten minutes before we uh, we signed on, I read uh, Young X Men one and two, which had been in my stack, and uh, I, I I'm. I'm convinced now more than ever that that Cyclops has to be a scroll. That's, yeah, I, I don't see how he's actually. That. What's that? I, you're not the only one to say that. Uh, a few people have said that uh, that that Scott has to be a scroll. I mean, he's, the, he's he's got everybody, even like the teenage kids on the team, with a killing order. I mean, I thought the X Force was supposed to be the the book where the, the guys like Wolverine and X twenty three who don't mind killing or are used to it could go out and kill, but now. I'm reading this book, and it's you know a couple months ago. Scotty Young was you know having these kids you know playing ga- video games and you know getting in you know getting into hijinks, well, and now they're being um, trained to be a, a assassination squad to take out a the lot. Old a lot of, a lot has happened since since Scotty Young was drawing. No, I understand. You, you, that, you mean you mean they have the teenage um, team acting like um, teenagers? No, no, no. They have the teenage team now training to be an assassination squad. No, I, I'm saying whenever Scotty and, and oh, Chris yeah, yeah, yeah. were on it, exactly. that they had them like uh, I don't know, like looking like teenagers and acting like teenagers instead of having these people that are supposed to be like mm-hmm. 15 years old looking like they're 23 and running around killing people. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, did you notice, yeah, David? I mean, the, I don't know if it was intentional or not, but there's the the one part in, in issue two where um, Cyclops is handing out some kind of sensor to the young X-Men that apparently can detect mutants and and uh, Rockslide puts his on and he says, huh, it must not be working. It's only showing five mutants and there's six of us here. And I was thinking, okay, so is that effectively them saying, well, it's because Cyclops isn't really a mutant, but um, but dude, if, if if he's not a scroll, then then I don't understand what's going on with that book because it doesn't seem to make any sense whatsoever in what's going on with the other books. Other than the fact that Cyclops seems to want everybody to be murder killers now. I don't I'm baffled, but did we lose David? We lost David. Jesus! Just when see, I wanted to see, it was so smooth too, and we lost him. Damn! He'll be back. I'll You're so going to have to re-explain all of that to him. No, he got it. He got it. <laughs> yeah, he's probably going to have to reboot. I bet. Yep. You guys are uh, still reading that uh, radical stuff, Hercules and Caliber? Yeah, yeah. I, well, with DCBS, I'm paid up. 
to issue four now. So yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. So I'm in for the whole thing. I, I well, they got better with the second issue. Hercules didn't have far to go because I thought the first issue was really strong, mm-hmm. and and the second issue was more the same. But Caliber for me, the first one, eh, a little on the weak side. I uh, I kind of felt a little bit differently. I thought that uh, Hercules number one wasn't what I hoped it would be. It was okay, but it wasn't great. And I really, actually, I really, really enjoyed the second issue. Um, so I'm feeling better about that series. Whereas Caliber, which I was really looking forward to because A, I love Westerns, and B, I love the Arthurian legend. So I thought, wow, putting the two together would be a lot of fun. Uh, two issues in, I'm, I'm struggling to see how this is going to have much of an impact with three issues to go, I, I I don't, I'm not so sure about about where they're going with it. So I mean, I'm I'm in it for you know, like you said, I prepaid through four, so I'll stick th- through the five. But right now, I'm, I'm feeling like Caliber's going to end up being a bit of a miss. The artwork's beautiful mm-hmm. though; got to give him credit for that. Oh hell yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Radical's um, done a nice job of making uh, some very pretty books. Yeah, well, very. Pretty. What you should do is you you should use the Caliber series to get you in the groove for when Dave Wachter's. Guns of Shadow Valley comes out because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that mm. is that is gonna kick ass. When's that? Gonna, when's that due out? He said he's gonna have it for um, Wizard World, so you know he'll have a nice little stack at Wizard World, and mm-hmm. everybody just come up to him and just buy him. Dave will sign him. He'll he'll give you a hug, maybe a little <laughs> maybe a little pinch, but uh, yeah. Dave, I, Dave Dave has very soft hands. He he has posted preview pages on our forum. Yes. BullpenBulletinsPodcast.com. Don't ask why. Uh, and, <laughs> and I, Slash form. Personally, I think it's the best work of his career. He is just so, incredible. Well, Dave, uh, Dave's, Dave. Always getting, Dave's always improving and getting better. So Yeah. It's, and, and improving on what has already been pretty darn good. So Yeah, and he's, and he's cuddly. So. <laughs> David, welcome back. Yeah, welcome back. Did you did you hear my question or I think it's time for me to upgrade Skype, dude. There you go. Yes. Um you asked if what in, in the series and, and whether or not Cyclops is a scroll and just what the deal is. Yeah. Yeah, if I'm um, missing something. I don't think you're missing anything. I, first of all, Guggenheim, I think, is we've established is a very competent writer. I th- I, I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. he's going somewhere with this. Whether or not this is all a Danger Room sequence, I I can't say for certain. Uh, I don't think it is, is because we see scenes, and I you said you only read the first two issues. I think in the third issue, there are scenes at the Fat Club with Bobby and with um, with Roberto and with Sam. So I don't think this is all just something that Cyclops is, is creating. Okay. Uh, I'm not worried about the timeline because back in the day when you had Avengers comics and you had Captain America or Thor, you know, no one, and same thing with the JLA and Batman and Superman, no one was worried about the timeline. So if this doesn't jive right with the, whatever's going on in Uncanny X, that this is happening after messiah complex i it it's it's almost like it's a different uh, doesn't even take place in the same x universe as the other x books yeah exactly but i I do not have but i uh, uh, not have a problem with the series i don't have a problem with the um with how cyclops is acting you know cyclops is picking up just like he told iron man in the first issue of uncanny after the event you know, 
as far as they knew, Professor X is dead. The dream, though, still has to live on. People are still, you know, people are trying to... This one actually kind of fits more in line with what's going on with X, X-Men. Mm-hmm. Legacy and Uncanny X-Men are on one timeline or are happening in one time frame, and Young X-Men and X-Force are happening in another. Because obviously Wolverine is in Uncanny X-Men and in X-Force, so I mean, has he in two places at once? And in... New Avengers, and so therefore in Secret Invasion, but it, it it it's almost like there are two different time frames that the X Universe books are living in right now. But as far as whether or not something doesn't feel right about Young X Men, I haven't I haven't come across that yet. Fair enough. Hmm. I'm a little perplexed myself, but I know, and you're not alone. You're absolutely not alone. Well, All right. One thing that perplexes me... Are we ready to move on past the yeah. X-Men? Yes. Okay. Uh, one thing that, that perplexes me... Um, Secret Wars 2 Omnibus. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I'm like, seriously? Yeah. <laughs> seriously? <laughs> seriously? Yeah. Steve Lee Aloha inks in, 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 in larger pages? How are you going to beat that? No, I, the awesome that, sauce. <laughs> <laughs> I think somebody on our forum said it. Said it as like that thing is retailing for for a hundred bucks. You can buy all of the issues in that for probably five bucks at a convention if you <laughs> look the, hard all, enough. All the issues of the mini, but this is more than just like no, all the issues. Mean. Period. No, like no, all of them. No, 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 not for less than five bucks. No, because there was oh, 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 ten. 12. There were some pretty nice tie-ins in the New Mutants, Fantastic Four, you had uh, Uncanny X-Men. There were some pretty decent tie-ins or secret yeah, Oh, yeah, too. yeah. I mean, it's it's probably one of the one of the best uh, Burn FF issues. That, uh, I, mean, yeah, was, I don't know about that. It, it felt that, that it was good. With the, it whole, was good. Nah, with the whole hate monger thing, I don't know. I don't know. A lot of people like that. I, 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 well, still, yeah, I, I still own that issue. It's it's good stuff and and the new mutant stuff was was that Sinkovich, um still at that time that was that was Rick Leonardi I think and okay. maybe even inked by uh, Kyle Baker but yeah, yeah. no that was uh, but but seriously I mean come on uh, off the top of our heads can, can we can we come up with like each of us like maybe five different things that we'd rather see collected in an omnibus besides just said, Secret Fucking Wars two Hell no Fantastic Four. I tell you the truth, I don't even remember any of Secret Wars two. All I remember was like the Disco Beyonder. That's it. You, you don't you've done yourself end? a favor there. I, you, I, don't, you don't remember the last issue? I what re- happens with the with, with the baby and Molecule Man and and, and Volcana? No, oh, we, no. Exactly. Here's the interesting thing that Jesus. one thing we know about Marvel and DC is that my wife does a good Volcana impersonation. When I hit that just I, that right spot, <laughs> nice. <laughs> I'm oh, loving it. What a Dude, nice man. visual. <laughs> I was sleep like a baby tonight thinking of it. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't remember any of it. I do remember the Burn Fantastic Four mm-hmm. issue, though. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, it, it, you know, we, we talked about the New Mutants. Here's an idea. Uh, New Mutants, Omnibus. Sienkiewicz, oh, yes. It's Sienkiewicz. Blows your I mean, mind. Come on. I wish somebody would dig up all that old epic stuff. The mm. like, like, like the Time Spirits and the... the um, 
Boz Void Indigo? Yeah, well, Void Indigo. <laughs> it, it, Void Indigo was great, but it was never finished. So, the, like the Boz Chronicles mm -hmm. and uh, Video Jack was awesome. Why haven't they collected Video Jack? Well, I would love if they put together, if you're going to do an omnibus, uh, you know, all those great uh, four-issue uh you know, miniseries that they did. Uh, you know, they did most of them were in 1984. You know, the Machine Man, the Falcon. You mm -hmm. know, if but just collect all those because I think there were somewhere around 10 to 12 four issue miniseries, which is just about perfect omnibus size. Yeah, that would be a lot of fun. I have fond memories of the Nightcrawler one. Yeah, yeah, the Ice Man, uh, Hercules, Prince of Power, Beauty and the Beast. Um, oh, was that was that, they were too. was that Cockrum yes. on the the Nightcrawler? If it was, yeah. if it was a mutant, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, Mr. David Price just did a nice uh, Falcon uh, Marvel Tales from that series. Well, the a first two episodes ago. The, uh, but there were two Hercules mm -hmm. uh, miniseries. Load, uh, loaded with Skrulls, which I'm, I'm, I would be very surprised if some of that stuff doesn't come back. So well, that was a future tale. Scrolls. Well, the I'm Hercules, wondering if the Hercules secret... in the future. What's that? The Hercules miniseries were in the future. Oh, well, there's, yeah. no, there's no stopping them from using it. I mean, Jesus, come on. No. It's already done. I'm wondering if, if Secret Wars and the Beyonder has something either to do with the scrolls or the quote-unquote next event at Marvel. Because um, you know, yeah, I, 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 if I look back on the Illuminati five issue, Beyonder was in issue three. Yeah, Beyonder was in issue three, and you know, I gotta believe Bendis didn't do that randomly. You know, he picked five <laughs> events that. So now they're doing a Secret Wars to solicit. I gotta have a feeling that Beyonder's showing up, and, and they're uh, doing and they're doing that before they even bothered to solicit Secret Wars one. Yeah, so I have a feeling some kind of cosmic cube. And oh, and the other thing is too, um, it'd be really cool. Spoilers, spoilers. In case people are, um, we we know, and I don't know if this has been because I haven't read Secret Invasion three, so I don't know if this is declared in the main book. But we know from one of the tie-in books that. The way the scrolls are masking themselves is because all, they're wearing rings that are pieces of the cosmic cube. So again, you know, he ties what? all into the Beyonder. Uh, what? Yeah. Really? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. How did, how is that possible? Did, didn't didn't the, the the Red Skull smash the the cosmic cube? Yeah, I didn't, I, any I, more I, than I didn't one cosmic cube. It, it back in in Mark Wade's. Uh, There's lots of cosmic cubes, buddy. Run? Yeah, that's what I thought. Do you remember the Beyonder and the Molecule Man were mm -hmm. actually two human parts of one cosmic cube mm -hmm. in Secret Wars 2? Oh. Come on, bud. Oh, Plenty of cubes to go around. <laughs> I'm, I'm just, I mean, there, there's just, this keeps going through my head. Deuce Ex Machina. Deuce yeah, Ex Machina. Oh, God, I'm here's just, a, I, I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm out. I'm out. Here's, I a, here's out. a blast from the past. I don't know if anybody remembers this. Mm-hmm. Does anybody actually Vince might? Hello. Um, because of uh, the Southern Knights, art by Butch Geis in the first two mm. issues. I remember. I remember the mini. I remember the title because they would advertise. They were published by the same company that published Comics Interview magazine. Oh, I remember Southern Knights. Yeah. The Dragon and Electrode and the two women. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've been. I've been reading. Those issues, I, I'm, I'm up to the third issue, and I, I've, I've um, actually I don't know if anybody has signed up for it. It's it's a free service, and it's been around for a little while now. And, and, there, and there was a lot of talk about it before it 
they really started getting underway. But Wowio.com. Oh, yeah, I love Wowio. And you can you can get the Southern Night. Actually, they were the Crusaders for the first issue, but then Archie Comics kind of came down on on the Guild, which was the company that published Southern Nights, and um, and so therefore uh, they changed the name to Southern Nights. So you can get those issues, and I've also found the uh, some of the other comics that. But you, we were talking. You guys were talking about uh, Day Before and Scar Tissue is part of Scar. You can get Scar Tissue from wowio.com as well as Pat Loika's Path to Armageddon. Yeah. And there's just, I mean, I've been going through Wowio and having a grand old time. Cool. They also have a nice run of the Peter Laird reincarnation of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Do they really? Yeah, you can, I think it's up to like 25 or 26 issues, yeah, Mm. with with Jim Lawson. That book is wildly underrated he's doing a really good job well they they put it on hiatus once they were starting the movie so we haven't seen a a new issue in like what two years three years but they do the tales of the turtles now so that's up to issue like 47 or 48 (laughs) but the the main peter laird teenage mutant ninja turtle book is awesome it's very good completely recaptures all the old feelings from the original books cool you know we talked about this um way back on on ac and i referred to um teenage mutant ninja turtles number one as the most important book in the 80s that uh, most important single issue in the 80s uh, it's and, and i'll i sal said i was crazy good for bad, yeah. um I, I think it changed comics right and and had as big or or bigger impact than any single issue in comics in that entire decade. Well, I wouldn't disagree with you. At least it's up there because it certainly had as big a role to play, if not bigger, than a lot of the 90s companies that get the blame for the speculator market. I mean, t- that was the first collectible comic that wasn't, you know, a, a, that I can recall of being a modern mm-hmm. comic. I and mean, that was the first comic I remember it actually being hard to find. And if you could find it, people were willing to spend hundreds yeah. of dollars for it. And it was a non DC, non Marvel, black and white indie book mm-hmm. you know so yeah I, I i still look at that as being a hugely influential book in that decade you know i'd have to agree with you and and i think i'd jump up and down while i was doing it too because you, you you're dead on that's that's some good thinking what what other book has had that kind of power back then maybe cerebus no, but, but not even close. No, I mean you could argue maybe from a critical standpoint, but not not in terms of impacting the industry now. Yeah, right. yeah. I mean, as far as like the and, and it's the single issue. I mean, in, in oh, the '80s, you had other nice. things like you know Dark Knight and Crisis and and you know other other stuff going on in the '80s. And uh, if you look back on it, you know the entire you know um, uh, you know Hernandez brothers with Love mm-hmm. Rockets and, right, and right. some really important stuff going on. But man, it's uh, for me being like a 10, 12 year old kid in the in the '80s. Um, that was like. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was my first exposure to independent comics. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think it was the hook that mm-hmm. drew the kids into the comic shops, not the news- newsstands, because Dark Knight, Watchmen, Crisis, those comics played by the rules. They were within the established universe as well. Mm-hmm. You know, touch and go with Dark Knight. but uh, and, and so they were distributed at the newsstands, but it's the Turtles that made everybody perk up and say, hey, there's another place to get these comic books. Mm-hmm. You're right. 
Yeah. Yeah. Now, go ahead. So I was just going to say, speaking of oh, black no. and white independent books, I uh, got around to reading. Um, is it? Uh, I might be saying it wrong, but Judenhaus. 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 The, uh, the 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 Dave Sim. I guess it's a what forty forty eight page uh, one shot. Um, you know, and and I you know I went into that. I guess not really knowing exactly what to expect, but. Uh, all I get to say is it's 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 I mean it's 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 certainly a, a powerful work and actually you know for a guy that's it's kind of ironic for a guy that's that's known to somewhat to have some some fairly um, unpopular and uh, I guess some would say um, controversial uh, views on on you know certain issues I you know the the intent of this book was um, I wouldn't I guess many people that may think of Dave Sim and and what they think of his beliefs would be surprised. To see him writing a book like this, which is effectively championing the notion that you know we as a society, especially those of us that aren't Jewish, have not been as um, understanding as to the significance of Jewish persecution throughout history, and not just limited to World War II. So you know the book is rendered in in the same kind of photorealistic, um, I guess, thing that he's doing with with the glamour puss, and it's a very 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 disturbing book. I mean, it's not a book that you're going to sit there and look at every page and have a smile on your face. I mean, he you know he's taking pictures from the Holocaust and 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 rendering them, and you know some of the pages are basically the same face of you know an emaciated person 20 different times and it's very i mean i found it a very very disturbing to to read through um uh and uh, you know if if you read it i mean he's basically doing it because he feels that it's sort of owed to the comic creators you know he makes the point that that really every substantial you know father of of modern comics was jewish and um and it's sort of his his way of i guess acknowledging you know the the plight um, and there's tons of reference and tons of very disturbing quotes from, you know, people dating back to the Roman times all the way through to the, you know, to to the 18th century popes to modern day politicians. And uh, I mean, it, it was a, a very, I guess I would say it was a profound work. Um, it surprised me on a lot of levels, but, you know, very, something that I, I, you know, not something that you feel good about reading. I mean, not something that I, you know, I, I'd, I'd say why well, you have to read that, but um but interesting, and and I I'm curious to see how many people even pick it up and read it because you know it's it's not something I think people would be clamoring to to read you know um, especially right. coming from him because I think people might get the wrong impression of what what he was doing with it. So you do I don't know if you guys that, had a chance to read it, but that Mr. Sim has embraced Islam. <laughs> oh well, regardless, he's actually embraced a combination of many several different religions. But right. you wouldn't you wouldn't get that in this book at all. I mean, he doesn't he doesn't deal with his own views on faith in any way, shape, or form in the right. book. Right, and and I'm not saying that the, that's a bad thing to embrace yeah. Islam, but when you know you you could kind of take this book as maybe Dave Sim covering his ass a little bit, just a little bit. Did it read like that would? That's the thing. I, I I think reading it, I was curious to see if I would take it that way, and and if if he's doing it that way, it comes across. I, I came across to me as a hundred percent on the up and up. I mean, I really hmm. came across as something he's felt compelled to do, and and I I came away somewhat impressed with him because I I don't obviously share a lot of his more well-known misogynist views and so regardless of whether you think he's a misogynist or that perception have, have, have you read this david no i have not i i tried to get through glamour puss so i really wasn't sure what and i knew it was going to be something completely different i, I don't i don't want to think that one is going to 
equal the other. I, I knew what he was going for with Gwen Repuss, but I, I have not yet read uh, Jude and Haas. I, I have it on the stack, and to tell you the truth, I love Dave Sim. I've tried three times to get through the first issue of Glamour Puss. Not saying uh, I'm not faulting the writing or the art or anything about it. It is so dense that yeah. by the by the time I sit down at night after everything's done you know, with the kids and in the house and everything, and I, I sit down to read it, I cannot get through more than four or five pages. It's just it it it's like this super concentrated you know, uh, work and it, it's, I, I nod off every single time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I kind of feel like I'm the only one that read you in Haas. I really haven't found anyone else to, to discuss, discuss it with. You are uh, the one guy. Well, You're it. I'll give it a shot for next week. I'll read yeah. it because it, it's right. You know, I have it right here. It's, it's a beautiful looking book. If that term could be applied. Yeah. When, I don't did, think it, when, like when did it come out? Um, about a month I got ago. It my last, yeah, my, I think my two, I get my shipments twice a month, so I got it two shipments ago. So yeah, about a month ago. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it, yeah. W- well worth owning. I mean, eventually maybe we'll get through it. But <laughs> it, it uh, in terms of the the comics medium, it's nicely put together. It's it's very well. well no done. question. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Hello, eleven o'clock's comics crew. This is Chris Chavez, Equinox on the forums. And I'm spending a lovely Tuesday evening in Northern California at a rehearsal for my son's tour group that's heading off to China. We'll be heading out uh, next uh, Monday, flying out of San Francisco about uh, midday and getting to China about, oh, middle of the afternoon on the following day, which would be like 1 o'clock in the frickin' morning, West Coast time. So my clock will be all screwed up, but I will uh, attempt to leave some Skype messages from China as well as take some, uh, well, hopefully not questionable photos while in China uh, as well. And, of course, my ass got cut off because I was going to make a comment regarding Hitch and Miller's Fantastic Four. got the fourth issue in uh, the most recent uh, batch because Hal I had ordered ahead of time with uh, DCBS. And got to say that probably the only and most compelling uh, image in the entire freaking four issues was the very last one where a certain deposed dictator of Latveria shows up demanding uh, Reed Richards appear. Um, Got to say, cult of personality stuff in the Lars running that kind of ran over from uh, Ultimates, uh, just not feeling it at all in Fantastic Four. Uh, Bring McDuffie back. Please, Joe Q., uh, you had some good stuff going on, and then you screwed it up because you thought you brought in the high name uh, personalities. Anyway, anyway, everybody, take care. Uh, we'll hopefully talk to you soon, and uh, peace out. I have something that I read that's very well done, just quickly, because I don't want to take up anybody else's time. But you all are aware of my love for the Virgin Comics. I, I, I have yet to read a Virgin comic that I did not absolutely love. Um, so Project Kalki is nothing different. It's, uh, I think it's a miniseries. It doesn't really, it's not specifically stated that it's a miniseries, but it's, uh, if this one book pretty much exemplifies the strength of the Virgin comics. It's, it revels in the, ancient the arcane the kind of the that that um 
the Indian myths and legends, but it has a contemporary feel to it where they inject it with technology and, and modern science. Uh, uh, um, it begins in, say, 1874 on the Ganges River. This archaeologist uncovers the final resting place of the, of the god Rama, who's a big, big deal in Hinduism. Um, and this shadowy figure basically kills him and takes the last remains of the god Rama. So it flash forwards flash forward to like then, you know, 1990 year 2000 and this man approaches this geneticist with a strand of the god Rama's hair and he coerces her into cloning a god. It's really cool. And uh, trial and error uh, a bunch of um, clones died but as fate would have it, one of them, one of the, the process takes on one of them, and she manages to clone the god Rama. And, mm. and he's an empath. Uh, human emotions and, uh, you know, anger, hate, love, lust, whatever. It, he can, he, he, he takes human emotion and generates energy. And he just so happens to see a, uh, newsreel of 9-11 and the holocaust and all that and he just freaks out uh end of the first issue she lets him uh well i, I won't reveal what happens but it's it, like i said the technology and the mysticism and the ancient indian lore perfectly blended in this book it, it's got a a um who's doing daredevil now Michael Arc, Brubaker, Gatos, Gatos, the the art oh, by. No, did isn't Gatos on Daredevil? No, no. Michael Lark is. Michael Lark. Actually, yeah, what's, Gatos, what's the difference? Gatos is about to be on which uh, Manhunter. Manhunter, that's what. Yeah, I'm he's, he's back on Manhunter. Right. It's yeah. it's it, the the art has that feel. Uh, it's it's drawn by Vivek Shind, and uh, written by Arjun Gained. It's a, it's a really really good book. Uh, it's one of those things where I'm I'm very curious as to see where it goes because the setup was so perfect. I mean, the woman is is wheelchair bound and not very um well, I don't want to say not very attractive. She never had the opportunity to wed and bear children, so she treats this this avatar this clone as her child and and the and the avatar looks at looks upon the mother as his well the woman as his mother so there's there's like a a child sibling bond there and the shadowy figure wants nothing but uh to do some bad juju with this guy so cool book hmm. as are all virgin books i've never read one actually i don't think oh gamekeeper was cool what? Gamekeeper. Gamekeeper's really good, yeah. Yeah, but, yeah but, I enjoyed but, it. But the standout virgin title for me is uh, Ramayan Reloaded. That's a great okay. book. And it's odd, odd enough that Rama, in this book, in Ramayan Reloaded, the central character is Rama. It, it chronicles the, the, I think it's one of the, uh, one of the two greatest stories ever told in, in India. It's the Chronicles of Rama. So it's a nice little, nice little tie-in. But uh, the book that really surprised me from Virgin was Jenna, Jason, Jenna Jameson's Shadowhunter. Really? I, I did not expect anything. Seriously? Oh, it is friggin' fantastic. Hey, Vince. 
Yes. Are, are you buying the uh, Secret Wars 2 omnibus? No, 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 no. Don't lump those two together because take Come one. On. No, seriously. Take, seriously. Take one look at the art in Jenna Jameson's Shadowhunter. It was. And, and, it was nice. Nice. Right? Oh my God! It's gorgeous. Get. Was he nominated for Eisner? Was it nominated for an Eisner? Not an Eisner. Um, not an Eisner. Um, what's the other awards? Because uh, they were just. I was just hearing about that. Yeah. Shock for the. Um, What's the other awards? Spike TV awards? No, 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 no. Oh, uh, see, you're casting aspersions even before you. Yeah. Oh, I'm ster- I'm stereotyping. I'm throwing cool. stones. Yeah, absolutely. Is, uh, I'm dying to find out. I've heard decent things. I, I want to read it. Uh, Doc Walloper. See, that's one of the Virgin books I don't read. Any reason? I'm waiting for the trade. Okay. Russ Manning. Yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, Murkesh Singh was nominated for the Russ Manning Award for that book, actually. Murkesh Singh, yes. And he did yeah. the cover on, on um, Project Calkey number one. He is incredible. It, and it, it's legitimate nomination. That's, that's big stuff. That is not a commercial. It's not a commercial nomination. So Now, the story's not. It's props. It, it's not anything complicated, as you would expect. It, it's, a, it's a woman who is just so happens to be the, the spawn of this devil type character and she didn't know it blah 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 she goes against daddy and hunts demons it you know it's it's an action book but the visuals are stunning stunning okay. yes at least she doesn't all right, like all right. Jason, so. oh oh hey speaking of uh of uh stunning visuals i ordered a couple of those men's adventure magazine books hey they should be in tomorrow so i'll have my report next week nice can't go mm-hmm. wrong i'm mean, very excited we're running a little long, but uh, I just wanted to get your guys' thoughts, particularly Mr. Uh, AC, who's probably plugged in a little bit here. What's going on with uh, Chuck Dixon? Um, I think it's all speculation right now. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's not speculation he, uh, that he's gone. Well, no, yeah, it's speculation For on why. why. And, and, yeah. and, you know, I think uh, anyone that hasn't seen, yeah, he, he basically uh, put out a one-sentence a one post on his message board that he is no longer working for DC in any capacity. So I think it's going to be speculation from here on out and until he clarifies stuff or DC clarifies stuff. But uh, yeah, a lot of people guessing that uh, you know he was wanting to do some stuff with uh, with the Bat characters because he was on Batman and the Outsiders and Robin. And there's uh, there's a lot of stuff going on in the Bat universe right now. And I have a feeling he may have been been stonewalled on some ideas and it wouldn't be the first time that that's happened with him and uh you know uh, probably said no and he's like all right i'm gonna i'm gonna pack up and leave so um well, I, think just, DC, I think dc lost a pretty good rider today mm-hmm. yeah. just as an update he's actually posted in that thread that you're mentioning on i guess on this mm-hmm. message board he, he made that one post but he's, he's posted twice since um in relation to people asking questions and the the next post was Oh, I'm still getting the money, my friend. Even when I don't work for DC, they provide the bulk of my income. And mm-hmm. then he followed that up a little bit later with, um, well, I'll say this, not everyone at DC is a bastard. DC is a fine institution <laughs> that's been quite fair with freelancers on the question of participation in royalties. Well, so, i tell you what, uh, those Batman movies, don't think for a second that Chuck Dixon isn't getting royalty checks on that because he's come up with more of the Bat universe than people would would initially think. And, and Time Warner, to their credit, takes very good care 
of yeah. those pay for hire creators. So yeah, he's 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 spot on there, and and I think he's given credit where credits due because DC and Time Warner have have stepped up to the plate and really take taken care of a lot of people. So um, I think I think DC can get painted as the bad guy in this because, um, in my opinion. And I don't know anything about this, but my guess is that it's a case of of big events and big storylines, and it's the pitfalls of dealing with iconic characters that span multiple titles. That you get uh, you get one creator that wants to do certain things with a character or characters, and they've already been slotted for some other stuff, and they it's like no, you have to fit into into what we've already decided is the direction things are going to go. And whenever you get very strong creators on, on both sides of, of a character trying to pull them in a different direction, someone's going to get tossed out. And my guess is that, is that uh, Grant Morrison, Trump, Chuck Dixon. As it should be. <laughs> um, Chuck Dixon, pretty goddamn good writer. I agree. And I, I think it's a shame that, uh, um, that that things have to play out that way. And, you know, there's a lot of a rumor and speculation that uh, as, much as, as much as a lot of Marvel fans would like to see him go to Marvel, he's been pretty point blank about saying that he's blackballed from Marvel because he and Axel Alonso don't see eye to eye. Right, yeah. On, on, on political and stuff. Then, and, 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 then, and say what you will about him. Yeah, you know, it's... Yeah. Because he's written some damn good Punisher stories. I, I don't want to be an angry drunk, but mm-hmm. the, this this trend of the almighty editor is, is starting to wear a little fucking thin. Wow. Uh, I, I, think, I think editors are, are wielding a little bit too much. It's um, all cyclical. It, um... Absolutely, absolutely. But right now, I think we're we're at a high point of you know I, I you know, besides Stan Lee and maybe like Infantino, you know, Shooter, I get you know the EICs, yeah. But has there ever been a time in comics where where like editors below the EIC level have been like household names for comic book fans? Like Alonzo and Brevoort and Mark. Well, two things about that. One, Archie Goodwin. Yeah, yes, because you yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. read back issue magazine, and every mm-hmm. pretty much creator from from DC back in that period of time were also editing books. I mean, Giordano was. I mean, all those guys. Yeah, but yeah, but but they but they they were they were more than just editors. They were they were artists and writers that moved into editor worked them worked their mm-hmm. way into the editor chair. By working up the ranks as creators, as mm-hmm. you know, and and not just you know, uh, not just pencilers, but 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 writers and inkers and 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 everything. And now we've got you know, it's uh, Axel Alonso. I don't, to to my knowledge, has never written or drawn or inked or colored a comic. Uh, true, but and the other point I was going to make is that it's a different time because it's a different business, right? I mean. D- DC and Marvel for for good or for bad, and I know you know Vince is probably chuckling in here before I bring up the numbers, but they make a lot more money and will continue to make a lot more money off of licensing the sure. IP of these characters than they do putting out funny books. And mm-hmm. so there's ever more important to them that they protect, as you were getting back to with the Batman stuff, certain core tenets of these characters, keeping them out there in publication for legal reasons, keeping them looking and acting a certain way for 
uh, for licensing reasons, and so inherently the editor is an important cog in that wheel, for, for good or for bad. And I'm not saying it's going to be like that forever, but for now, there's very logical reasons why they're focused on that. Um, and I think it's kind of unfair to... Because, I mean, I, I have a hard time really criticizing some of the editors in question here because I think there's some bad editors, but there's some darn good editors. I mean, I think, and uh, and I think because ed- editorial mandate is important right now, you have to give credit where credit is due, and some of the editors are doing a pretty damn fine job, I think. So, I mean, you know, I don't think we'd have the great Marvel Cosmic stories we've had with Annihilation um, and and the subsequent stuff if it wasn't for... Uh, Andy, you know, when he got that thing rolling, he basically was given carte blanche to do something with the the, the cosmic work, and and it's really been his baby. And obviously, he's gone now. But without him, we wouldn't have this. So, you know, I think it's when, you can't when, when we when we start referring to editors as stars of the industry is a black fucking day in comic books. Yeah, but no, how many there's... times have you heard though? How many times have you heard like Matt Fraction? or Ed Brubaker or Greg Rucker, and they would say, you know, well, thank goodness for my editor on this book because they're the unsung hero or they're, you know, they kept mm-hmm. me in check or every time I had an idea. So it was... You're darn right. Un, un, and unsung is exactly where they need to be. They are the, o- the they're, the off- like, they're the offensive linemen of comics, and whenever we start making stars out of editors, it is a black day in comics. I don't think books. it's... We that did it, though. It's pretty much the writers that said, hey, you know what? This is the person that makes the book what it is. So they kind of shone the spotlight on, on, on the editor. We didn't. We didn't say, oh, who's that editor? Well, this is why this book is great. <laughs> I mean, granted, the countdown books, you know, are a different story. But they're really, you know, editors, you can either say, okay, well, who was the editor on the name? Or who was the editor? Uh, we knew that Alan, Al Milgram was the editor on Marvel Fanfare. We knew... Carl Potts was the editor of the Epic line, you know, but that was because those were their babies. But I mean, you know, who the hell knew who the Punisher editor was in the eighties and, or, or the X-Men, the X-Men editor, you know, eventually that was Bob Harris before that, that was Louis Simonson, but these were high profile books, but it's the writers today that are like, Oh, well, this is mm-hmm. the editor that keeps me in check. So, you know, if it wasn't, yeah. if it wasn't for Axel, or if it wasn't for Tom, or if it wasn't for Andy, it's, so, it's, I just, I just puffed you. I think I think I think it's lip service because show me a horse that likes having a bridle put in its mouth. Yeah, you know, you you every, you, you talk you talk yeah, to show me a horse that can win the Kentucky Derby without a bridle. A, cr- a cre- you you show you show me you show me a no, creator. I'm I mean that that well. Okay, mo- most of the most of the of the the top creators. Whenever they talk about the the editors that they like to work with, they will say. These are the editors that that know when to let us do what we do, and I think that I think that there's a little bit too much control on the side of editors today. I think that there's, and I'm and I'm trying to put this in in the the the, the clearest way possible is that you know editors cannot be the stars of comics it's it has to be the creators it can't be the editors i mean do you know who stephen king's editor is stephen king no i'm i'm sure he has an editor uh yeah you know you're right we don't we don't know who those are and that's fine you know 
Who's, who's, who's Tom Clancy and, and John Grisham's editor? You know what? I'm sure that they're fantastic professional people that have a, a huge influence on the on those novelist um, books. But you know what? At, at the end of the day, it's the writer, not the editor, that needs. But Chris, to you're comparing apples and oranges, though. No, you're, no. You're, Stephen King writes novels of his own creation. Everything in those books is from his mind. Mm-hmm. It Marvel and DC, which is primarily what we're talking about, because the independent guys, the editors, aren't really not being made into stars, nor should they be. At Marvel and DC, so why should guys, the Marvel guys for, be stars? Time out. These guys are work for hire, mm-hmm. dealing in someone else's playground. That's the way it is. It's not. You can debate till, your, till the cows come whether it should be that way, but that's the way it is. They don't own Batman. Jeff Johns doesn't own Green Lantern. He he writes for DC for hire stories about characters that they own lock, stock, and barrel. So to suggest then it's completely incomparable to me that you can compare Stephen King's editor and try and say that we don't know him, ergo we shouldn't know who Jeff John's editor is on Green Lantern. It's, it's apples and oranges. There is a mandate from DC as to how their characters should be handled and will be handled that does not exist for novelists deal with. So what Grant different. Morrison is doing with Final Crisis, not really Grant Morrison. It's more of it, it's more of the job of the editor that is driving that than than Morrison. No, well, some no, some, some, no, some creators because, get some leeway. Yeah, they're giving Morrison but leeway. You go, here. But, but when you go to a panel and you at, at a convention, how many of of the people that are up on the stage? How many are writers? How many are editors? Isn't there generally a few editors up there with Dan mm-hmm. Slot, with Axel? You know, I mean, so, you know, they're, again, they're out there to answer your questions. They're the ones that, they're the ones that work for the company. You know, Matt Fraction is doing work for Marvel if, when he's not exclusive, but he has to, for lack of a better word, answer to an editor who does work for Marvel, who has to do what's best for the company. And and you're right, you know. That, and, and and you know what? That's what I want is that I want comics that are safe and and are good for the company. That's what I want to read. I love you, Chris. Just thought I'd throw that in there. Let me just go back to the Kentucky Derby thing just for a second. Mm-hmm. See, the Kentucky Derby is 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 a is a man. It's so fitting as far as the the Marvel and DC corporate characters go. Uh, the Kentucky Derby is a man made event do you think a horse was born to have a bridle in its mouth no we came along and said you know what we can race these filthy animals and make some money off it so uh, uh, the natural occurrence of a horse does not have a bridle in its mouth where the natural occurrence of a writer does not need an editor it need he needs somebody to oversee it maybe you know check the grammar or the logic in, in the story or something but as a guiding force pushing the story in a certain way it's it's wrong. Nobody tells artists how to friggin' paint or 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 the, the you know the 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 penciler that to, how to draw. Why do why do the writers have to be corralled like that? Writers don't have to be corralled if they want to stick with writing their own stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you want to make money and 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 you know get a name for yourself, write these corporate owned characters, and we'll tell you what to do. 
You can you can have a few ideas, but if they get wild or revolutionary, ain't no, it's not happening. Go somewhere it's, else. It's it, it, it's the it's the golden handcuffs, and I you know I I see both sides of the argument. I know where I know where Wood and David are. That you know, okay, yeah, these are these are big time corporate properties and licensed products that they have to protect and, and keep the integrity. It's like that's why I laugh when people are like concerned that 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 Batman rest in peace is going to change the core of the character. It's not cuz it's a licensed property that's never ever going to change at its core. But, you know, if we're if we're going to look at comics as as an art form and as a medium um and that's tough. It's entertainment medium or art form, and it's two very different things there that we're it's fighting both. against. It's a commercial in the, the majority of comics. No, no, a no, commercial no, art form. Mm-hmm. And no, the and uh, wait, no. What did you just say? The majority of comics sold are a commercial art form. Ninety percent of comics yeah. sold every month yeah. are by Marvel and DC, and yeah. they're a commercial art form. Okay. They are they're, art for the sake of making money. Yeah, cor- corporate property as opposed to. Yeah, art form. I, it's um, well, everything's art. So it's just a different, a different kind of. It's a different it's, kind of art. Form. Also, has to make money and appeal to a certain number yep. of people. Right. Yep. Which, yep. which I which I totally agree with. And I think you can balance it. I think that's why, again, we get back to that's why Fraction has Casanova. But you know what? He doesn't say no to Marvel books. You know why? Because he likes to eat. Money in his pocket and are going to make him a lot more money than Casanova is going to make him. Same thing Brubaker's putting out Criminal. Great book. Love Criminal. But he's paying his bills going to those Marvel summits, hanging out with the editors, thinking about the next big event. Yeah, you know, I, don't th- I, don't, I don't think he's right next man because he's a big X Men fan. Exactly. So yeah, that's my point. You know, this just makes me appreciate what the Beatles did even more. Talks like talk. No, seriously, talks like this because if you look at the Beatles, from everything from like say "Help Up," that's mm-hmm. some that's some pretty challenging music, and mm-hmm. they transformed popular culture and gave it a little bit of more than a little bit of artsiness. And and the people that were buying the records had no idea that they were they were being elevated beyond what they were used to that was the magic of the beatles I, I, is that possible in comics i don't know i, I ain't more I, we, we talked about morrison i think morrison does that i think alan moore did that <laughs> I, I don't i don't um and i think you know morrison skates that edge sal and i were talking about this earlier this week uh we're talking about uh starman omnibus mm-hmm. um that's we're we're doing that for our book of the month at ac and Robinson's voice in that is so clear and so strong, and and Salad had kind of dove into and was reading it, and he's he's like, man, I don't feel like anyone writing today has that kind of voice. Where is the voice of comics today? Right, but Starman would not have been the same book, which is a very stupid thing to say, but that voice that you notice in Starman would not have been as strong as if that book was called Superboy or a much more popular Mm -hmm. mainstream character. He just, I think Robinson just got lucky that, you know, with the Starman character because it was under the radar, wasn't challenging any of the other status quos in the DC universe. So they, why, 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 why was seven soldiers of victory? So brilliant. Absolutely. For the same reason. Why was Ben, why is Bendis a star today? Because of alias where he got to play, powers 
Yeah, well, no, but I'm saying mm-hmm. in the Marvel side yeah. of things because he yeah. got to yeah, sure. really make his mark. He, he basically, mm-hmm. you know, he was considered a genius because he was able to create this character that never existed before and, and intelligently retcon her into even Avengers continuity, right? No one really had a problem with it right. and mm-hmm. told good stories, you know, so. Well, I think we've overstayed our welcome. I'll say it's too. That was some good stuff, though. That was That's probably the meatiest we've gotten in, in, in a while. That was, that was fun, guys. I enjoyed that. <laughs> So we have we have to get all riled up to get meaty. Yeah, yeah. A little iron, you know, iron sharp, iron sharpens iron. There you go. That was some good stuff. See, I'm all jazzed. I don't want to end it now, but we have to. <laughs> yeah, it's almost one o'clock. So yeah. Well, everybody, say goodbye. Uh, tell them when they. Can... Oh, 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 oh. Um, anyone coming to Chicago? Um, Friday, two o'clock. A room to be determined. Podcasting panel. Nice. Congrats. Uh-huh. I'll so, be there. so Wizard World Chicago. So, any, come any, on, uh, is there any mm-hmm. uh, others here that will will be there? No, no. Well, you'll be there, Vince. Oh, he's not making this easy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, after today, I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't look any better. Well, let's just. It, play... it looks. It looks worse. So. Well, we'll just play it by ear. Yes, with fingers crossed. I, I want to sign out with one thing. I'm not going to mm-hmm. say why it's good. Just go out and buy Fables number 73. Modern day, mm-hmm. modern day classic. And, and I, yeah, it, 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 I know with the subjectivity of art, nothing can be called perfect because it's seen through different eyes. And my perfect is not the same as your perfect. But Fables number 73, the perfect comic book. Wow. Yes. Go read Severance Package with a comic book connection because Tom Coker does the cover and Dennis Calero does uh, spot illustrations inside the chapters. There you go. What else we got? Uh, yeah, I mean, I just uh, have, have a great night. I don't, you know, I've, I don't think, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. I feel like people have to run out and buy. Um, that was my big thing last week with Seven Soldiers, so. Okay. I won't champion anything to, this week. Bourbon, good. <laughs> Read Witchblade. My heavyweight daiquiri is almost empty. <laughs> bye bye. Bye boy. Bye folks. Hasta luego. Hey boys, this is Andy Jewett. I was just calling to tell you that I've really been enjoying the show, and uh, just keep up the good work. Looking forward to hearing more. Later.